Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2021. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Cory, they, them, and... Victoria, she, her. And Victoria, thanks so much for making it on. There have been a few unexpected delays recording this episode, but we finally made it. I'm so happy you're finally here and doing this. I'm really excited. Thank you for inviting me on. Yes, thank you for your patience. (laughs) Thank you for your patience. It's been, you know, been issues on both sides, so we're all good. (laughs) Right. Well, you did forget that one recording date, which is fine, but I'm just going to need you to douse yourself in water and repent before we move on. I can't believe you're going to put her on blast like that. (laughs) I just want to, I'm sorry, my wife and I watched the first half of, you know, Eternal the other night, and it's just the best, the best chastisement. (laughs) You know, it's not often we get a Sailor Moon movie, and this is, I have a Sailor Moon podcast, and it's just, it was very hectic (laughs) dealing with that. (laughs) So it probably wasn't the best idea to plan an episode on that weekend in retrospect. (laughs) Well, that's what this podcast is all about is retrospect um but no yeah it's fine i'm just really happy to be able to talk about sailor moon fan fiction with a sailor moon fan speaking of which as the guest could you tell us a little bit about your background with the franchise of sailor moon of course i love talking about sailor moon so um so i got into sailor moon like many people when it first aired on tsunami i was about uh i want to say six um, it was funny because my brother just like he's my brother's a big anime fan, so I think one day he was just like, "Oh, there's a show coming on. I think you'll like it." And you know, twenty-five plus years later, <laughs> clearly liked it a lot. Um, yeah, just just was obsessed with it. Um, so love it to this day. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. And you love it enough that you do a Sailor Moon podcast that's been going on for some time. Can you tell us a little bit about that, I, too? I can. Um, so, yeah, so last year I started the Sailor Moon Fan Club podcast. And on the podcast, I interview other Sailor Moon fans because I just think we're amazing. And uh, I just, over the years, I've you know, always kind of kept mental notes of different people who are Sailor Moon fans. And it was like, oh, Lizzo, Sweetie, uh, like Sasha Banks, she's a WWE wrestler, like authors, like New York Times bestsellers. And I was like, there's like... It's like weird connection here and i was like this would be actually kind of cool to talk to you know these different people who like have all these different walks of life who you know do so many different things but all have this one thing in common and that's being a sailor moon fan um and so yes that's what i've been doing for the past a uh, little bit over a year started on march 15th 16th last year it's naoko takeuchi's birthday um I started, I announced it on the 15th, which is her birthday, but the first episode came out on the 16th, which is Monday, because we release episodes every Monday. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's been a fun ride. I've had some really cool guests, um, and it's, it's really fun to talk to people about Sailor Moon and all the amazing projects they're working on or things they're doing. That's really cool. And can you give us a link there? Absolutely. So um, I guess the easiest link is hyperurl.com slash Sailor Moon Fan Club. And that will give you a link to like 
all the places you can find the podcast and our website. It's also sailormoonfanclub.com. I was really lucky to get that handle. <laughs> I don't know how. Um, and then, of course, you can find the podcast at Moonies Club on Twitter and Moonies underscore club on Instagram. Also, it's available on like, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Anywhere you listen to this podcast. True. <laughs> it's probably true. Um, yeah, I think you probably got the Sailor Moon fan club URL because whatever previous Sailor Moon fan club existed was on GeoCities. That's very likely, yeah. That is very <laughs> yeah. likely. That's like exactly what I was going to say is I remember being in Sailor Moon fan clubs, you know, when I was a kid, you know, 10 or 11 and whatnot. I even had, I think my email address at Yahoo was like Princess Serenity sub 2000 or something like that. Not 2000, whatever year it was, 1999. (laughs) Um, And I think it's awesome that you've revived that idea because that feels so like dear to my heart from my childhood. Yay. Yeah, I was part of fan clubs, too. <laughs> I was in a uh, musical cosplay group for a while. I got in, like, one terrible performance at a con in Seattle, I think, but that's about it. That sounds awesome. Who did you, we said as, as a cosplay, musical cosplay group? Yeah, you know, from the old musicals. Um, yeah. I've done, I did two costumes from the old musicals, and one was MC Fly, which is an amazing costume from the Sailor Stars musical. Um, and that's like my favorite costume that I've ever made or that basically my mom made for me. Uh, this was back in high school, of course. But when I, the only performance I ended up actually doing with that group, I was Chaos from the Ayan Densetsu musical, which is also an amazing costume in a completely different way. It's ludicrous. It's like a hula skirt with ribbons and a mohawk wig and like a weird sequined jacket. Um... It was also, also we were working off of, you know, terrible quality VHSs. It was very difficult <laughs> even to tell what was going Sounds on. Sounds amazing. Um, Sounds great. Anyway, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to dominate there. People should totally check out your podcast because it's very cool. I've only listened to a little bit of it, but it's, I mean, I do like podcasts that have a different guest all the time, which is why we're kind of doing one right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, just throw in one more thing. We actually had some Sailor Moon voice actors and actresses or um, artists on the show too. So that if you're a Sailor Moon fan, you probably want to check that out. I don't think I've heard any of those episodes. Are you talking original dub or new dub or both? Oh, um, I've had both Sailor Jupiter voice um, artists on there, and then also uh, Stephanie Shea, who does the um, new dub of Usagi. I'm hoping to get some more this year. So that usually, yeah, that's. Hopefully gonna happen. That is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) I was just reflecting on the fact that like um podcasts are such a new thing and that would be such an amazing thing to have happened, you know, back when Sailor Moon was first airing in the US. Um, but now that we can, it's like a whole new world. And also there are so many Sailor Moon fans. So this idea of I don't know, the connection between Sailor Moon fans is uh, it's brilliant because there are so many. Um, I didn't think there were that many when I was a kid, and now that they sell so much more merchandise, you know, you just, you're walking around the supermarket, and you're like, hey, Sailor Moon t-shirt, hey, you know, Sailor Moon earrings, like, I know, I see you, yeah, what's up? 
<laughs> it totally blows my mind now to see like Sailor Moon merch and like fat like Fashion Nova and like Forever Twenty One and Target and I'm like it's mm-hmm. not just hot topic anymore. <laughs> I straight up got a Sailor Moon T-shirt from Target. I was like, whoa! <laughs> I had to get it, you know. And I know, you know, at this day and age, I'm sure that's just normal. But to me, it was like I would have you know, killed to have a Sailor Moon t-shirt when I was a kid. They just, you couldn't find them anywhere. Couldn't. It was so hard. Yeah, I'm so happy now that it's so accessible and you can find it, like, in so many places. Like, I think H&M had, like, a collection, too, and Uniqlo. It's it's ridiculous, but it's, it's we're lucky to be fans in this age. For sure. <laughs> and to know, to appreciate it, because, like you said, there was a time where you couldn't find anything. Speaking of ages, um, when I got in touch with you asking you to come on this podcast, you were like really excited by the idea, and I'm you know so thankful that you wanted to come on. And I I was trying to figure out what a good fanfic would be to read, and one of the things that you said when I was offering suggestions was that you really like Crystal Tokyo, and so I ended up choosing or are interested in Crystal Tokyo or something along those lines, and so I ended up choosing a Crystal Tokyo focused fanfic, which we haven't quite exactly done before on this podcast. But could you tell us a little bit about? I don't know, Crystal Tokyo and like what do you think about it or what do you find interesting about it? Yeah, I just, you know, I think Sailor Moon was one of the first times that I, I've kind of on lore and like mythology in a way. It was just like fascinating to me to think like, oh, like there's this future like thing, like people are coming from the future and like there's this like, like set of rules almost and like he's a queen and like it looks different and I've always wondered, like, what happened between the end of Sailor Moon to get to Crystal Tokyo, and I think they kind of hinted at it at some points, but I don't know, it just seems so cool to me. Like, I loved, um, you know, the outfits, like, you see King Endymion, and he's like, has this lilac suit, um, and it's just, like, the technology, and it just seemed, like, just so cool. I don't know what it was about it, but it just felt like, this is gonna sound really weird, but it felt like fantasy, like, Lord of the Rings, like, the same feeling I get, like, watching that kind of thing. Um, it's kind of what I felt watching, like, stuff about Crystal Tokyo. And just like, yeah, I don't know, then space travel is always, like, interesting to me, too. Just anything with space and time travel. I think I find it really interesting as a fan fiction fan, Crystal Tokyo, because, I mean, you were getting at it in your description that you get hints of things. There's really so little information about what the hell is going on with Crystal Tokyo at the level of, like, what do people's lives look like? How exactly does this government operate? Anything, really. You mentioned, like, they hint at what happens. That's one of my favorite things about the anime is that, like, there's that episode where in the future, and they're talking to King Endymion, and he's like, oh, yeah, some shit went down, and the Earth was trapped in ice for a thousand years, and then, you know, Usagi woke up as Neo-Queen Strandy and established this utopia. And that's it. That's all you get. And you're like, what? It's not even happen. (laughs) I mean, and so it's such a natural place for fanfic authors to want to explore because it's just wide open and everyone has to decide their own version of what's Crystal Tokyo really. And I feel like who are the characters at that point, too, because, you know, you have Usagi is such a perspective character from the original, just being like kind of a clumsy teenage girl, you know? And then all of a sudden she's Neo-Queen Serenity and you have to go like, what happened to her to get her there? And is she still the same person? And I think that is what fanfic authors want to explore a lot is like kind of, you know, the difference between who are these people in this new era when they've lived thousands of years. 
not to jump ahead too much, but like this fanfic only does a little bit with Neo Queen Strandy, but I like what it does. Um, I think it, it, well, let's get into it. Our fanfiction for today is Bishoujo Senshi Sailor Orion, or the first season of it, because the author wrote more beyond this, but it's structured as like a season and then another season, I guess. Uh, I actually have only ever read this first one. And I did read this way back in the day when I was like actively reading fanfiction and lots of Sailor Moon fanfiction and all that. Um, and I only remembered a few things about it, which is, I think is what I pitched to you, Victoria. I was like, I think like it's, there's like training to be new Sailor Senshi or something, and it's kind of like a military deal. If you had asked me what the plot of this season was, I would have said, I think it all happens in like the training school, except for some stuff that goes down at the end, which is, and my memory was totally wrong. Um, but anyway, it was written in July 1997 by LeVar Boyer, um, who I was able to track down online and get permission, you know, like approval of to do this recording. His reaction was basically like, yeah, it's sophomoric. And he tried editing it twice, apparently. There's like at the end of the file, it says, you know, the first revision, July two 2000, the second revision in January 2001. And he said, like, nothing he could do to like patch it up a little bit makes it not read like it was written by a high school student. Um, but, you know, we we're not going to try to be down on him for that or anything like that. Um, and uh, what else was I saying? Oh, yeah. And just that I chose it because it was fairly well known. Like, I think it was fairly popular back at the time. There's at least one piece of fan fiction based on this fan fiction that is a parody of this, like by someone who liked this. And I think that was by the was, I think that was by Green Beans, maybe, who was the author of Distant, which was that Haruka fanfic we read so long ago, Tori. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it was kind of out there in the, you know, fanfic scene back in the day. Hmm. Well, you know, we're obviously about to dive into this, but I think, you know, just reacting to the author's comments, I actually think this is a really strong piece. So, you know... He should be uh, too down on himself about it. Uh, I had a lot of fun reading this. And I think, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, yes, it's, uh, yeah, it's a uh, pretty much novel length, I think, Mato. Yeah. It's got all the qualities of a novel. It really comes full circle. And what I was saying in a conversation with Amato earlier was, this is Sailor Moon, but it's also Star Trek. <laughs> because it's very space exploration. And so I guess we'll get there. But, um, yeah. It's very, very Star Trek. Yeah, I completely agree, too. Just every time we see a fan fiction that's like thousands and thousands of words, like this is 80,000 words and this is just chapter one, I have to commend the person because a lot like that is a novel. And it, like you said, it has like a beginning, middle, and like it's cohesive story. Um, and it was an enjoyable read, too. So kudos to Lavar. For sure. Um, and so I guess we can start talking about what the story is about, right? Do either of you want to start us off with kind of how the fanfic opens? Well, we, uh, it's been a little bit since we read this, but I will say it distinctively starts out with the word bring <laughs> as the alarm is ringing. And we have a character named Jennifer Allison. Oh, you're gonna have to help me with pronunciation. Uh, Sakachi. In English, we would say Sakachi, yeah. It, yeah. Because the, the well, stress just falls in the middle in English. So we're not going to try to be like, Sakachi. All right, From the, land, from the land of Samurai. <laughs> it's okay. Sakachi. Uh, 
who is a 17-year-old living in Crystal, Tokyo. I forget what year, but, you know, she kind of wakes up and she's going about her average day. Um, and we kind of quickly get the information that there is a, a Sailor Senshi school that she's applying to get into. And I feel well, like that's, that's kind of where our story starts, right? Yeah, it's like everyone has to take this test, which is kind mm -hmm. of an aptitude test. It's like when you graduate high school or whatever, because somehow Usagi did not abolish the entire notion of high school after becoming God Queen. Um, <laughs> I guess Ami stopped her. No, she actually created more school, which is Senshi school. I guess she realized that she needed someone to continue this. She's like, oh, I can't do this forever, so I need some... New, new senshi, which apparently they, they get, and we'll get to that, I guess, later. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's relevant to note here that I checked in with the author, and I was asking, like, you wrote this in 1997. How much of Sailor Moon did you actually have access to to see? And the answer was, of course, you know, classic in the first half of R, like you did, before, before they finished dubbing R, and the rest of it was, um, was, you know, like Hitoshi Doi's summaries, I think. I mean, he didn't say Hitoshi Doi specifically, but it, it's got to have been. That's where you went, was this one guy who, like, was watching the episodes in Japanese and putting down the summaries online for people to read. I was, I was wondering that, too, so I'm, I'm happy you brought that up, because author brought up, like, like, Galaxia, and, like, I was just like, how did, how did he get so literally to watch that? Like stars in 1999 like i was very impressed <laughs> i didn't watch stars so i was 16. i suspect that that he snuck in a few more details in the revisions there because i don't think i mean that would have been real cutting edge to refer to galaxia in july 1997 as an american fan uh incidentally the author is american also black and queer if if that affects any readings um but, you know, the author can also be dead. Whatever. <laughs> I feel like it's good, actually, to have a little bit of information about where the author's coming from. Though I don't know if that's, you know, it's more of demographic than personal experience. But um, I will say that this fanfic is very queer. So I like that. <laughs> the main character very quickly gets a pretty cute girlfriend. Um, and there's even some tension about coming out around it, but it ends up being kind of adorable because her family doesn't really dislike her being gay. They just don't really like her girlfriend because <laughs> her girlfriend is American. And that's a yeah, thing. It, I don't know. It's just racism. It's, you know. <laughs> but, but, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that cute. But yes. Um, but right. The, the queerness is not so much of an issue. And yeah. I mean, we're jumping around here, but I like that the relationship is not the source of drama in this fanfic. Like, she gets a girlfriend, and that is not the problem or the issue or even, like, a source of, you know, oh no, and she's in danger and I must save her. Like, it's none of those things. It's just a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. I really expected that to happen at some point. I was like, oh, they're gonna attack and, like, gonna have to go save her or, um... Yeah, I was, and I'm happy, yeah, like you said, it wasn't, like, the central conflict, or it was almost, like, I wouldn't say, like, a backdrop of this series, but, like, it was, like, oh, like, she has, like, a friend, and, like, it's a really sweet thing, and then now she has to go off to war. <laughs> yeah. She'll be back, and, you know, 
figure it out. There's actually like a huge part of this fanfic where yeah, she's separated from her girlfriend, but like it's it's done well, I think, because like it's kind of just she's so focused on she ends up being like the leader of a space army in a way. So she's so focused on her mission, but it's always kind of in the backdrop and she wants to get back to her. I thought that was pretty well done because it doesn't make the relationship more important than the plot, but it makes it a big part of her life. We should probably get on to that main plot part because we were still at like Senshi Aptitude Test mm. early on. Sure, uh, sure. It's a complicated thing- plot though, to be fair. Yeah, but we can, like, we can get to the main part. There's a Senshi Aptitude Test. You have to be female to take it because that's, that's what this author's going with. And, um, and the, we've got this, this character, Jennifer Jen. She's the main character. The main thing you learn about her immediately is that she's a history nerd, which is a really... I don't think I've read any piece of fiction where the main character is a history nerd specifically, but it serves a couple of... It serves a couple of functions, which is kind of a way for the author to give us past stuff. It's like... I feel like the temptation would have been making the main character a history nerd so you can refer to stuff that the audience already knows about, right? Just like how in Star Trek, they're always talking about, like, 20th century literature or, like, you know, Shakespeare or stuff, and they're never referring to, like, 22nd century literature. But most of the time, when Jen's talking about the past, she's talking about stuff that happened in between Sailor Moon the series and Crystal Tokyo, which uh, just means, like, it's kind of a way to fit some of that in and contextualize some of the stuff going on in a somewhat naturalish sort of way, which I thought was interesting. I really like, too, the author tends to, like, connect a lot of, like, things they kind of made up in Crystal Token. They compare it to something, like, more modern for, for us, or, you know, at least in 1997. Um, kind of give you context, like, what it means or, like, what it, like, the significance of it. I thought that was really clever. For sure. Now, she takes the Senshi Aptitude Test, which is entirely written, which see, uh, seems like a slightly odd choice. I... I would have expected something physical, but I guess maybe you just deal with that once you're a century or whatever. All right, I was gonna say that's what happens when you have um, the Mercury Army in charge. <laughs> but I do like that the way the test. I'm not sure if it makes you know sense in a broad way, but but it's fun to read that like the test just has everything on it. It's got math, it's got ethical problems, it's got like you know read an essay about this stuff, it's got history, it's got just like everything all mashed together with no rhyme or reason. And it seems like at least half of the point is just, like, how well can you do with this insane test under pressure? Yeah, there's even some questions that come up where the history nerd, Jennifer, is, like, or I think she's called Jen a lot in the story, is, like, all these answers are wrong in this multiple-choice question. Like, how do I pick one, you know? And that's very relatable to it, I think, a standardized testing experience. But I also thought, but this is a test designed by Sailor Said She for New Sailor Said She. So I was a little confused on that point, but it was a little bit comic. You know, like she just basically, I think the application was she knew more than the test because it was, you know, basically a standardized test. So I think that interpretation of maybe it's just designed to see how they do under pressure is probably a good one, Amato. It should come as no surprise that she passes the test. Uh, it would be yeah. an unusual story if she didn't. <laughs> As framed so far. She, I don't know. It could have gone a lot of places. She could have been sort of like 
slowly become an embittered anti-senshi terrorist or something. Like, kind of like the magicians? Did you read that? I mean, yeah. it's not quite right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I haven't, but I've heard good things. I mean, it's a good read. I feel like you finish it and you're like, I don't know what I thought about that. But it's interesting anyway. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't quite go to that, that dark place. Like, she does get into the school. Um, and I mean, you know, there's a bunch of other interpersonal stuff. She has like high school friends and, and other little things that happen. But I feel like that's the main thrust is like her going to the century school. Yeah, I think we can kind of skip over it. The school is called Sakino State College. It's basically West Point. If West Point graduated like one die three people each year and everybody else just went off and did other careers not related to the military. That's kind of the vibe I get from it. I can see that, yeah. And it's like the most prestigious thing and like once you make it, like you're you're set for life, essentially. And her family takes her off, like there's details about her family, like you said, Tori, but like I think we should probably just get into the main arc of the plot here. Um a few interesting things happen when she's dropped off at school. And one is that we get our first appearances of, like, original senshi characters. I'm sorry, I, original senshi characters sounds wrong. That sounds like, you know, made up, like, OCs. What I mean is, like, characters from the series Sailor Moon show up for the first time. Uh, and so, like, for example, Saturn's on guard there, just, like, hanging out to be on guard because apparently there's been, you know, like, terrorist threats and that sort of thing towards the school. Um... And, like, Mercury and Mars are there for, like, the inauguration speech, that sort of thing. Um, speaking of threats against the school, a, a, a car with one of the incoming students gets blown up. And I'm saying this with sort of a confused expression because it sounds like it's going to be a really important plot thing. You know, it's funny that you say that, because I, I just remember that as you were talking about it. And I was like, yeah, we never really got back to that, that effect. I didn't think that was going to be a, a very large part of, like, Soul Story. I'm like, all right, who's behind these bombs? What's going on? And we just never know. It's well established in the story that, like, not everybody is, like, a happy, harmonious, like, person who's happy with the administration, right? And, like, there was the <laughs> Black Moon War of people who were exiled and came back and blew stuff up. And then there was another war of, like, a senshi who you know, some, turned against the rest of the government for one reason or another that we don't get the details of, which is cool. Um, but then there's also, like, anti-government dissidents who are, like, doing active, like, blows against the government right now. And I assume the author must be playing a long game here, because there's more Sailor Ride after this first season. And so I assume this is just, like, setting seeds for after this story arc or whatever. But yeah, it doesn't matter in the context of what we read. Except that it does make things very tense for a moment. I was going to say, that's a really good point. I, I forgot that there's, like, more seasons, so hopefully the author gets to that. I might actually have to check them out. Yeah, I was going to say something similar, yeah, but it, it, the only thing it does for this story, I think, is, like, sets a tone that not everyone's happy with the political climate, which is why I did sort of expect there to be more, um, more of that, more of, like, what's going on internally in the affairs of Crystal Tokyo, but we we kind of get... You know, a little bit later on, we get that there's, you know, a larger threat. But I guess first we have Jen's uh, whole academy or schooling kind of journey. 
I'll say too, I think that kind of sets a tone of it kind of being a little dark. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. like where the story was going to go. I felt like at first I was like, oh, this is going to be like about, you know, a girl entering like this college and going through like training and that was it. Um, but that definitely like said, I was like, oh, okay, this, this is going to be a little darker than I thought. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It gets kind of heavy. And Tori, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned the political climate. I think one thing the author does a good job of is just kind of giving enough details that you feel like there is a political climate. And right. I haven't read a whole lot of Crystal Tokyo fanfics, but I don't know. I, I feel like, at least in some cases, people like to just be like, oh, it's a utopia and it's fine. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe the people who like to write actual fanfics about it don't like to do that. I don't know. But it's like, it feels like history is still happening, is the thing. Which I feel like is uh, maybe tricky or interesting to do when you're starting with the base of Crystal Tokyo. I definitely think it's, it's not as uh, interesting if everything's like utopia and perfect and great. Like, it, I think it makes sense for there to be some internal you know, battles. I think that was a really cool thing, not to completely go on to tangent, but um, the Korra. I think it did a really good job, you know, the Avatar sequel series of, like, showing, like, you know, things were, like, really great, but also, like, there is, like, internal struggle. Not everyone likes this idea of avatars or the fact that there are vendors and there are not vendors and there's this, like, power struggle. It makes sense. I think Cora did a really good job and this story did a really good job at showing, like, the realistic aspects of, like, what happens when you have people with powers and people without powers and people in power and people without power. (laughs) For sure. And they even bring up a couple times you know the idea that this is a monarchy you know um and that is kind of a you know that's a little complicated right you know if you start thinking about oh wow okay we're in the far future but we're under monarchic rule like well uh, ideally this is a good one but nonetheless that is uh yeah a little bit complicated right that was the other thing where I always say I'm always curious to know what happened between the end of Sailor Moon and the beginning because I'm like, we started with a democracy in many countries and <laughs> we went to a monarchy and everyone just accepted that and everyone was like, okay, no one was like, who's Sailor Moon? Um, but it's another story for another day. It, it's interesting because the fanfic's very clear that, like, you know, the rulers, the government is not perfect, but it also signs off on them because. Jen, as a student of history, kind of like a couple of times she calls out her mom and was like, yo, you think Queen Strandy's perfect, but she's made all kinds, she's made like plenty of mistakes in the past. And our other school character who's about to be introduced, Eileen, um, is from a portion of former America. And like there were wars and like there's, you know, like a treaty that she's bitter about that she mentions at one point because like it was basically forced on them from like above or by the agreement of other countries and that sort of thing. But both of them are still on board enough with, like, the government to become senshi. And, mm-hmm. and that's b- being, you know, like a right-hand person to the queen, basically. Like, one of the direct cabinet members, basically. Um, and so, like, implicitly, we kind of get this, like, yeah, like, fucked up things still happen, but basically the government is good and we should be on the side of it. From the perspective of this fanfic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I did not 100% get that impression, but maybe it was my own, like, internal skepticism at play, given all the pieces presented. You know, especially Eileen being our North American character. Is she the first North American to be accepted into the Academy? 
I know, that's what they said. Yeah. So it's like a whole thing. But then you start thinking about it and you're like, well, okay. Why? You know, like after all these years, what does this world landscape really look like? And are there prejudices? And especially because we've got monarchic rule. And I was also unclear if, you know, it seems like obviously Crystal Tokyo has most of the tech and most of the power, but that doesn't mean that the world is like sort of unified, right? In many ways, like that just makes Japan the superpower, even Crystal Tokyo. It's sort of unclear if all of Japan benefits from Crystal Tokyo's power or not, but. Say it kind of seems so because from what it seemed like majority of the characters were Japanese and I'm, like I think most of the senshi were Japanese. I feel like Asagi definitely made Japan like the superpower of mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so to rush through school, I think like we can go back to points about things like Mars and Mercury's appearance later on. I think, but maybe we can go for the main outline of the plot. Jen is roomed with this character we just mentioned, Eileen, who's the first accepted candidate from North America in the... They've been doing this for a while, not like thousands of years, but they've been doing it for like, I don't know, a while. So it's a little bit surprising. And she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder, I think, because of that, and it's kind of like disrespectful, and like she and Jen clash initially. But she's also kind of a history nerd, and they get this whole school, school relationship arc that is, you know, everyone's famous, uh, everyone's favorite fanfic tropes of, like, people who don't get along, but then they kind of start to try to one-up each other, and then they actually become friends and decide they're attracted to each other and start making out. And, like, you get the whole thing in there. And it's not... It, like I said, in my memory, most of this fanfic was this school. And in the fanfic, it, it ha- like, they do four years over the course of, like, a few chapters, I think. Mm-hmm. there's a big like kind of time skip uh, a lot of the focus is in the early part of the story is jen getting into the school then her transition into school and then getting together with eileen and then they sort of have you know a couple tidbits like trying to sneak out to see the new sailor v movie and eileen has to do that on her own because jen isn't willing to risk sneaking out and eileen of course gets caught and punished but and when she comes back jen is watching the new sailor v B movie on a VHS or whatever the a crystal VHS I don't know whatever the crystal Tokyo version is and she's like oh yeah my yeah, mom smuggled VHS, it into me yeah, yeah. <laughs> crystal crystal HS I don't know CHS crystal no never mind um but yeah it, so like little cute moments and them getting together and then it kind of just skips to graduation though I do want to bring up that. I think even before Jenny gets into the school, she's had a couple encounters with this pink-haired girl who reminds her of Chibiusa, um, who are not sure if they are Chibiusa or not, but that's a thing that came up early on. Doesn't come back for a little while, but... Threw me off for a bit, too. Um, yeah. And then, also, like I said, like, I, was, I was really like into like the school. I was like, all right, we're going to stay a little bit of time here. Like I was really curious about... You know, they talk a lot about Sailor Mars and, like, how she's a rigorous teacher. And I was like, oh, we're going to get some, like, scenes of, like, them training. You know, like, because I, I was really interested in, like, this the school they set up. Because they built it up so much. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, to get it. And it's, like, really hard. And it's, like, the best school ever. So I thought we were going to spend more time 
the school, especially like about like the curriculum, but I was really surprised when he was like, today's our graduation date. And I was like, already? <laughs> I know that happened fast. So, like basically all we get yeah. from the original Senshi is like um, Mercury giving kind of a funny lecture where she at orientation where she splashes everyone and then uh jen really pissing off sailor mars that's kind of most of what we get right yeah well we get saturn for a moment mm-hmm. i've got to say i've got to say two things whenever an outer senshi shows up in this fanfic they don't really have much personality and that's completely understandable given that the author literally was not able to see anything with them in it i was like, just thinking that yeah I, I'm not trying to be down on him for that. It's just a thing. To be fair, though, I feel like a lot of the outer senshi are, like, very, like, cool and distant and kind of, like, to the point. So it kind of worked out. Because, like, I'm like, Uranus would say something like that. Or, you know, I feel like Saturn would, like, totally, like, lump and, like, whatever. So. Yeah, in her scene, Saturn's got a game face on. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it kind of worked because the outer century are also badass and just like oh a serious anyway or maybe neptune well um but yeah they graduate they're the only two that graduate that year which i, I would have liked to see like some other rando get graduated like get get promoted to a century there too just so it didn't feel so protagonist oriented but but okay and the way senshidom works in this fanfic is that uh, Queen Serenity can make new ones by imbuing them with, you know, power from the silver crystal. And there's kind of, you know, various talk about various pieces of incredibly high technology operating just off of silver crystal power in this setting. And, you know, no one except Queen Serenity is entirely clear about, like, how much it can do, but it can do a whole lot, obviously. Um, and so, apparently you kind of get just, like, inspired with your senshi name, and... Or, or, or maybe you kind of choose it, because it's tradition that you're named after a planetary body, but you don't have to be. And so our main character here, Jen, it becomes Sailor Orion, as per the title, you know, title character. And Eileen becomes Sailor America, just as kind of another, like, yeah, I know, exactly. Sailor America. Yeah, Fuck yeah. America. There you go. I love to talk about her transformation sequence she has like an eagle somewhere i forgot where but i was just like of course there's there's you know red and blue stripe red and white stripes involved i mean just thinking about it visually it's a pretty great like idea yeah i know (laughs) there there were so many points that just took me by surprise at this like for instance, the fact that they're the only two that graduated, because I don't feel like they ever built you up to think, like, oh, they're the best two. And then you're just like, oh, they did. Okay, whatever. Um, especially with that time skip. But then her being Sailor America is just, it's actually really hilarious. Um, but she's also a completely serious Sailor, said she. Well, in a way, she's also a very uh, lighthearted character, I suppose. But uh, that. I don't know. Everything about it was just sort of like, yep, all right. I've just taken this in. This is interesting and silly and kind of fun, you know? Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. I did, I, there were points where I'm like, oh, I would have liked to see more here and more like to see more here. But then try to give it a little grace because, like you said, high school fanfic writer, 1997. I was like, this, is, this isn't bad. But especially because I'm like, I would have liked to see more students. And like you said, like, 
maybe some more people who passed except for just them two. But um, at the same time, that's more characters to write and more formations to come up with. So I get leaving it out. Right. It almost feels like you're just kind of like flying through this and you just get these little details, you know? I've got this problem with multiple works of fiction. Like in Final Fantasy VIII, as soon as they leave the school, I'm like, no, I just wanted to stay at the school. And there's this book that I mostly really like called Anathem by Neil Stevenson, and it starts off in a super cool school. And as soon as they leave the school, I'm like, no, I don't <laughs> want a plot to happen. I just want to be more in this cool school. Maybe I'm just Fair a nerd. Enough. I don't know. I feel exactly the same. I'm like, let's explore the school a little bit more. Where are the students? What are we doing? What's the curriculum like? Like, what, what's the class <laughs> like? But I'm also a nerd, so, you know. I yeah. No, I wanted that too. And I feel like it would have helped to build, you know, especially who these people are and who they've become being so young when they start this in the last, you know, I guess it's like a four year school. I, I'm not, or was it one year? There was something where they said they had to rush their education because of a looming threat, I think. They had to graduate early. I, I don't fully recall because there's a lot of details in this, but. Yeah, it's been a little too long. I guess it's been or two years but then at some point it seemed like they graduated after two months mm. not sure i remember she was talking to her family at some point in the beginning she's like i'm not gonna see them for a little while mm-hmm. i thought it was at least a year then at the graduation it seemed like it only been a few months yeah it's strange i i think the school i if i recall i think it was supposed to last longer than it did but anyway yeah the, there is a reason that they push up their graduation. Um, and that is this, like I said, looming threat, but it's more like just that they're aware. I'm trying to remember how exactly how it went. They're aware that the, like the dark kingdom is gathering forces or something. And yeah, let's get into that. So the two of them get assigned jobs and, um, Eileen gets assigned the job of like PR manager for Crystal Tokyo which is an unusual position, like only one person needs to be that, right? But I guess they had an opening, and she takes it, and she's, she's successful at that because she's very, like, outgoing with the press and also marketable because she's kind of, like, odd and memorable, and, like, I guess she's probably going to do a whole lot for attitudes towards Crystal Tokyo in North America, I would think. Um, but Jen Orion gets assigned a new flagship that they have built and actually her father was involved like heavily involved in the construction because that's his job and you know that's kind of a a plot thing and i've got to say this is probably the only piece of sailor moon media that i've ever read where the name sailor is somewhat justified because most of the sailor senshi are involved in the navy it seems like it seems like mostly their job is to lead these ships i mean it's navy I guess that should be more like Captain Orion or something, Ad- Admiral Senshi. Well, um, she does become a captain, actually, right. of this space-faring vessel. And this is where it becomes totally Star Trek, um, is when she first gets on that ship. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting to think about, you know, what roles do Sailor Senshi take in a world, you know, that's like mostly peaceful, right? Like, Oh, if the threat's coming from space and you have spaceships, of course you're sending your sailor senshi to captain those spaceships, right? Right, and in the context of this story, it was mostly peaceful and they didn't have much of a navy 
up until the Black Moon invasion, and after that, they militarized up. Uh-huh. I'm starting to see why there's dissent. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's where, like, the plot starts to get... Co- starts to get... I mean, I, here's where the plot starts to get complicated. Because there's this ship that was made for Sailor Orion before they graduated to Sailor Orion. Because they have knowledge, they meaning like the Crystal Tokyo Hyops, Queen Serenity and her, you know, friends, our, our old main characters, because they have information from the future that this is the way they need to deal with this threat that they otherwise probably wouldn't know about, which was Dark Kingdom colonies that were sent off into space back in the era of Sailor Moon Classic, the first season, by Queen Beryl that we have not heard of until now because they've been off in space. And, like, haven't, you know, built up the technology or, like, presence to, like, extend their reach militarily in space yet. Is that all accurate? Am I missing anything? I think you got it. I think there's a little bit more about the villain, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. But, yeah, I think, I think that was actually a really good summary. <laughs> I've got some practice trying to summarize complicated time travel fanfics at this point. It's not surprising. <laughs> um, so she's going to go off on this ship, the HMS Pleiades. I never had to say it out loud until this moment. I think it's Pleiades, right? Pleiades. Okay, that sounds yeah. right. I'll take that. That's Greek. Uh, I mean, something. I don't know. Whatever. Right. Pleiades. And. Mm. I forget exactly. Queen Serenity, there's this interesting scene that Orion is present for with Queen Serenity and like most of the other Sailor Senshi trying to decide what to do militarily about this situation. And I kind of, it's been long enough since I read this fanfic that I kind of forget what exactly the arguments are. I just remember I liked the scene for a couple of reasons. They're in the conference room. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was interesting because I think it, we kind of mentioned before about them um, kind of like Orion, her kind of like uh, about like Queen Serenity isn't perfect and like right now i think sailor pluto they're even using sailor pluto to look into the future which is something that's like kind of forbidden to do it's like well how much of the future do you know and then sailor mars is like yeah it's classified and there's some like tension there and i think that's the word there's a lot of tension in that room and the author does a really good job of capturing that there is some conflict between you know them kind of looking into the future a little bit more than they should and like how that can affect things and like who it's forbidden for and who it's not forbidden for to do just <laughs> and of course like for jen like they're about to send her crew who's not you know equipped to fight against the dark kingdom and she's like you need to give me a reason why i should agree to do this and like put people's lives in danger because right now you are not giving me good reason yeah there's a you definitely like you've mentioned a lot of tension and it's kind of strange because your perspective character here is Jen, but you're also like, these are all the Sudshi. Like, these are the 
characters that I care about, but though they all seem to have differing perspectives and like be bickering a little and like be focused on this giant war that they might have, you know, uh, or whatever this threat is. And it, it just, it feels a little bit bizarre, but it's also like, I don't think anyone's particularly out of character, you know, it's just not a situation you envision the senshi to be in, I suppose. <laughs> a hard thing for me too because like you mentioned these are the characters that you grow up loving and like senshin like of course for me like they are always in the right you know mm-hmm, and then like mm-hmm. reading this story like i kind of identified more with jen or sailor orion um just because i was just like yeah like you guys are kind of in the wrong here and that just felt weird to feel <laughs> that moment. i agree so, yeah i mean i think that's the intention right but it just yeah it does feel weird <laughs> I just realized that the, this conference room scene I'm thinking of is actually much later in the fanfic, so we'll get back to that. The one that I, I liked because of it showing Queen Serenity in a certain light. But I think we can wait a little bit for that. The main thing is that, um, you know, Jen has to go take command of the Pleiades. Suddenly the fanfic has like 10 other characters because we've got a whole Star Trek level crew on this ship. It's not as big as the Enterprise, so there's not, there's not so many like red shirts or anything. But I mean, you've kind of got a similarly sized cast of like people whose names we get and little bits of relationships we get and that kind of thing. And like someone who's in charge of engineering and someone who's in charge of, you know, medical and an AI on board who's going to be kind of important. And we also get her second in command who she's not aware of until kind of the last minute. And which I thought was a really interesting direction for this fanfic to go. Yeah. Completely agree. I also just like kind of the challenge that Jen faces in her relationship with the crew in general of sort of feeling out how to be a leader and like how formal or informal or strict or not strict to be as someone who's technically a professional educator. Like I definitely feel that as a challenge and something that she's never really needed to do before. Yeah. She's only like 20 years old or something, maybe younger, you know, trying to lead this whole ship. (laughs) So it's a big task for her. Yeah, I agree. I think it was kind of interesting that they were like, oh, you graduated and now you're the commander of this ship. You would think there's some, a little more high ranking, but it seems that the Senshis don't really survive very long in this world, so I guess they don't yeah. have many. Well, we didn't get a, like a full window into what her training at the school was, because we had the time skip, so maybe it was a lot. I don't know. I did want to point out, like, just really quick, though, Something that confused me was apparently, so everyone gets called Sir on the ship. And I actually kind of liked that. Like, I like and don't like it because Sir is the traditional masculine. But I understand that it's being used to, like, apply as a broad gendered term. And we, we still don't have that in our culture. You know, like a net gender neutral sort of thing for those honorifics. But what was the kind of like strange part to me is a lot of the crew members have are women who have traditionally male names so the crew members genders were a little bit up at the air for me for a bit and you kind of pick up on it most of them are women most of the crew is women that i mean that's awesome you know we're looking at sailor moon that's dope but it is a little bit confusing the way it's introduced i suppose with the the sir and the names I think the author was intending to say that gender is less of an important feature of a future culture, which I really agree with. It's just to lean it towards the masculine feels a little bit wrong as well, 
I just wanted to point that out really quick. So. No, I, I definitely felt that too. Um, I think it makes sense though that you say that because we, I think you mentioned before the author is queer, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it was it did throw me off a few times. I think like you have a character, it's Sammy, and like you said, like names names you would typically associate as male names. Um, and I was just like, oh, like who is? And then like you said, you realize over time that they all identify as women, but. Yeah, there's even one who's like uh, Michael or something, like something that you almost never hear women having that name. But anyway, it's possible, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting what they're trying to do, I think. Definitely. Now, you know, there, there's all kinds of things we're skipping over in terms of relationships and characters here on the ship, but we kind of got to move through this plot because it's so long. And basically what happens is a whole lot of Star Trek-esque space opera and space battles. Like, several times they, you know, they come into contact with their first Dark Kingdom vessel, and the Dark Kingdom vessel, this is the first time they've come into contact with Crystal Tokyo, even though their queen, who is a descendant of Beryl, is planning an invasion and building up a military. And, you know, obviously negotiations don't work, and they get into a fight, and they blow it up, and there's kind of like a a thing where a couple of generals go after their ship and fail to destroy the ship and then get punished for it because of the Dark Kingdom. And and also they're losing valuable ships in, in this process. And, um, you know, the, in broad strokes here, the reason the Pleiades is here is to kind of fuck around and distract the Dark Kingdom while Crystal Tokyo gets their own defenses in order. So, like, that's all according to plan. Another good summary. yeah i've got to say there's a couple of things i like here they've got a a device on the ship that amplifies a senshi's attacks to you know ship levels like inter-ship combat levels and i thought that was a super cool idea you don't see a whole lot of it because you only have one person using which is orion but it like justifies the need to have a senshi on each of these combat vessels to begin with because that's like literally how their best weapons work right the the Gertie, Gertie? yeah, yeah, the Gertie. It, it's got like it, you know a technical name and a nickname, which is great because of course it would. The acronym is something like the the G stands for Gestalt, which I thought is great because you know if anyone knows what Gestalt means, it's you know the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and it's just a way to amplify their powers. Um, I thought that was actually kind of clever, like a kind of clever little sci-fi thing. Uh, one thing I've got to say, though, about the space opera combat is that another thing they've got on the ship is Sailor Moon with a Ginzui show. And, you know, it happens a couple of times that they're in dire straits and it's just like, ah, Sailor Moon, how about you use the Ginzui show? And she's like, yeah, okay. And, you know, blows up some enemy ships or whatever, like, you know, gets them out of the frying pan there. And, I mean, it's a bit of a deus ex machina in any form of Sailor Moon, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> that's the tone, right? It's supposed to be, I guess, you know? Uh, I've got to say, at least they don't go through, like, if you use the Ginsui show, you will die, and she'll be like, no, I won't, and I don't. Like, at least they don't <laughs> dangle that out as, like, a, you know, source of constructed drama. No, it's fine. You can use it some. It's fine. It's just an afterthought. It's like, oh, yeah, I do have that thing I could do that would help us. <laughs> At one point, Jen also comments, like, in regards to that, that, like, yeah, Neo Queen Serenity has the Ginsui show, 
And Princess Usagi also has a Gideon series show, and nobody's quite sure where it came from. And, you know, as Sailor Moon veterans were like, oh yeah, it's just time travel shenanigans that there's two of these floating around, and there probably shouldn't be. Basically. <laughs> but I did enjoy the, uh, the ship, uh, interrelationships on the ship. Like, you do get some, like, camaraderie, and, like, I think at some point Jen consoles like one of her crewmates who like just broke up with her boyfriend and it's just like, oh, this is a nice little, I feel like you got so much more world building on the ship that I would have liked to see in the school, but it was really cool to see it on the ship too. Yeah. I like how there's the engineering department that like only really interacts with the engineering department that like nobody else has all that much contact with. They're that kind of, like, kind in of their weird. own little area, like, deep in the bowels of the ship, and there's, like, three of them, and at one point they have to go, like, consult with them, and it's kind of like, I've never even really been down here. You know, I, at my college, there was an engineering school, and I feel like engineering students kind of only talk to other engineering students, so I feel like that's, <laughs> that's kind of accurate. <laughs> it felt like a kind of very real detail, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, like, pulling us back to that, like, little Star Trek moment of, like, there is an engineering department, you know, on this ship. Because, of course, there is. It's a, you know, this is the structure of our starship sort of thing. I think they said there's, like, 200, like, over 200 people on this ship. But, like, you really only interact with a few, but. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they even have the, like, de- details of, like, who sits with whom at meals and stuff, you know. Such yeah. as the insular engineering department. Um, going on with the Star Trek content, we also get an away team mission. Like, they go down to a planet for reasons, and it ends in disaster, and, uh, I mean, the entire oh, destruction man, yeah. of the planet for reasons. Um, I'm not quite sure I gather, like, th- does that scene end with Orion just doing a normal one of her attacks? Like, her black hole thing attack? She doesn't use the Gertie there, does she? No. So she was outside of the ship, I think. Yeah, she's outside of the ship. See, the <laughs> thing is, when she's been doing ship-to-ship combat, she's got this, like, she creates a nebula, and then it's the first part of her attack, and then collapses it into, like, basically a localized black hole. And, like, that's super cool when, like, it's being amplified through a gurdy and destroys enemy ships or something. But apparently when she's just on the ground, she also creates black holes? Is that what's going on? Her, her, she's like a Sailor Saturn level like oh whoops i destroyed this planet kind of I thing going on is is that it i think this was kind of like a surprise of her power because th- this part was actually like super intense um they yeah, go down to a planet yeah I, I don't know we mentioned that there's dark forces at work and i forget if they generically describe them as negaverse like they do with the dub or if they describe them as black moon or or what they're, but they're dark bad people. people dark kingdom yeah doing bad out there in the universe. And so they've confronted those people a few times, and they finally go down to this planet that's been totally destroyed, and the doctor, Samson, finds these corpses that are basically furries. They're like fox people. Um, and is like, we must preserve and their bodies for science. And, it's like, the first the, alien yeah. civilization they've encountered, exactly. period, apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like the last corpses there, and she's not able to do it. He has to run back to the ship in a last-ditch effort, and it's a very tense scene, and it's very well done, especially with the tension between, like, Samson almost dies trying to just preserve one of these bodies. But what happens is really devastating to Sailor Orion, Jen, because she lets us attack 
I got the impression she didn't think she had the capacity to actually do it. And then she just does. But it actually wipes out the whole planet. And, like, I think kills some people in the process, right? Like, no. or no, just I mean, destroys maybe the planet. Maybe some Dark Kingdom or whatever. Okay. It was just that it destroyed the planet. It it just, it really upsets her in the end. Is that, am I making the right connection? I think there's something that she did that really upset her, right? And that was well, it. Yeah, that, or, that, that's it. That's it. That's what yeah. I remember from it. I mean, like I said, it's, like we've said, it's been a couple of weeks since I read the details. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, it, it was shocking to me that, like, she was given such destructive power there outside of, like, the device that right. amplifies her powers so much. Yeah. Well, I think it was shocking to everyone, and and I don't know, maybe there'll be more of an explanation of this in later parts, but it didn't seem like it was 100% clear why that had happened. Just that yeah. she was really powerful for some reason. That was really, it, it makes sense too, because thinking back to when they said that they were kind of planning for her to take over the ship before she even, like, passed uh-huh, the school, like, uh-huh. I guess they would know how powerful she is, which is, like, why they're sending her alone on this mission, more or less. Um. Well, I mean, speaking of future knowledge and stuff, Victoria, I feel like here's where we get to the plot stuff that just, I, I feel like, weakens the momentum of the plot. Because we've got this space opera stuff going on, and it's fine. I feel like it could be a little bit more personal, because we've got a Queen Beryl descendant with a grudge against Sailor Moon, facing That's off against right. Sailor Orion, and there's no direct, like... There's nothing personal about it. It's just, like, literally military opponents in a, like, you know, sovereign country war sense. And so, like, it it all works. It's not, like, super personal. But then the plot that's maybe a little bit too personal involves that pink-haired girl who you mentioned before, Tori. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure I remember the, how this shakes out. There's some stuff going on. It's kind of a blur to me, too. But yeah, like I said, it was kind of impersonal. I was expecting something a little bit more. Because I thought the Descendant of Queen Barrow was like a cool idea to go with. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of actually fuzzy on the details, too. I kind of want to like look back. <laughs> well, the details yeah. pink here, girl. Started. No, a lot happens towards the very end of this, including... Chibi Jen. Y'all remember Chibi Jen? Yeah. She has so, pink hair. It was just for the fake out for us to think that she was Chibi Usa, right? Right. But she's, but she's yeah. actually, she is, in a way, related, she is related to Chibi Usa, but she is Jen's daughter from the future, yes. and she got together with Eileen, her girlfriend at the time, but they had a surrogate for, I think, Jen to get pregnant or something, or using Jen's Jen's genetic yes. material. Um, but the surrogate was Chibiusa's brother, who hasn't been born yet. Yes. Now, so future, far, so right? or has, good. I don't, whatever. <laughs> right. So far, so good. And I use good in quotes here because, again, I don't think this adds anything to the story the fanfic's actually trying to tell. It's mm-hmm. kind of like out of nowhere. But then you've got another time traveler who is on the ship who's been established as a character, mm-hmm. but he is, Shibu says, future brother, right. Right. sent back into the past as a baby. Because oh, that's reasons. right. That's right. 
that's how this happens. I forgot about that. Uh, there were reasons. They there did explain reasons. the reasons. But... <laughs> it's, just, it's just, at that point, you've got two different future time travelers on this ship from two different periods in the future, and neither of them really matter to the story that's actually at hand. No, and they only show up in, like, this what we call the last, like, 20 pages of a novel, you know? Like, I, no, no, They've why? been around. They just don't yeah, they matter. Just... Like, yeah. there's nothing that, you know, if you take them out of the story, nothing around them changes. That's true. And I, I'm laughing here. I don't want to be too hard on the author, because, again, like, you know, clearly he continued writing this story, and he, like, uh, he, I'm sure he continued with these characters and, like, you know, stuff continued to happen. But it just felt like a little much for the season one of, you know, Sailor Orion for, like, a story that, that's supposed to be kind of establishing our main character here. I will say it was nice. I think it kind of gives the audience at least more, like, you know, Jen and Eileen are going to have a happy ending. It's like, oh, yeah, they're going to, you know, go out there. They're going to have a kid together. And it's, it's kind of gives you a, I don't want to say conclusion of that, but at least, you know, like, a happy ending for a queer story, I think, is always nice to have. Yeah, it, like I said, you know, it, it is, yeah, it's really cool that just, there's, just, there's just no drama about them being together. It's like, <laughs> no, yeah, they're, they're partners, they love each other, yeah. they stay together, it's great. I actually loved this in a way, you know, like, it does, it does seem unnecessary in a sense, but it's also, like, super Sailor Moon, like, sorry, it is very Sailor Moon. <laughs> Let me be clear. Uh, you know, like to have these time travelers and to have that all come in at the end and also just, you know, yeah, like Victoria was saying, having, you know, the clear good ending, especially because Jen's been separated from Eileen for so long to know that they're actually going to get together and have a family. Cause there was a minute where you questioned that because there was like a second where they were like, Oh, this guy is the father and Jen's the mother because the uh, the doctor ran some genetic tests and you're like, oh wait, does that mean Jen breaks up and like gets with this guy instead? It's like no, the the explanation he's the surrogate and like that feels good, and it all feels a bit like very Sailor Moon in a sense, but it also feels positive for like it. It's almost like oh, this all makes sense. This is why we focused on Jen in the first place. This is why she was important in the first place, is her connection to the royal family, if you know what I mean. Okay, I, I accept that. And like, yeah, it's very Sailor Moon, and yeah, it does kind of serve a purpose there. A second time traveler on top of that, I, I just, I don't know if I'm on board. Okay, that's fair. But still, it's something. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like I prefer this over, because I thought where it was gonna go with, with them, you know, being apart, I thought we were gonna get another love interest. And there was going to mm-hmm. be some kind of love triangle thing going on um, with like, oh, this person I'm on the ship with versus, you know, the person back home who I was in love with. Um, somehow, I, I kind of prefer this in a way, even though mm-hmm. it's very confusing. <laughs> well, also speaking of Eileen, I just want to go back to like that other conference room scene that sticks in my mind so much because we jump back to Eileen briefly. It's kind of Ender's game where there's like someone, you know, waging the war and someone back home who's like in charge of He's doing politics and public relations stuff. Anyway. Never pops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but Eileen's back there, and she's in the conference room because she's head of PR, so now she's working closely with these like original characters and stuff. And there's a decision to be made about whether to make the announcement that they're at war with the Dark Kingdom at this point. And it's, 
if anything, even more fraught than the previous conversation. Like, you know, voices get raised. People have very, like, different views on this. And I like that both, again, just because, like, it kind of shows how this operates as a government, a strange monarchical, you know, cabinet-based government. But also because Neo-Queen Serenity eventually has to make a call. And she, like, makes the call to, like, to make the announcement, like, tell everybody what's going on with this war. And then she immediately, I forget exactly what she says, she's like, something about, oh, like, she wants to get ice cream or something. Like, Mama, how about we get some ice cream? Like, something like that. And there's just a comment that Eileen had noticed that, like, she tends to kind of bounce back to acting sort of like, I don't want to say immature, but, like, carefree after she's made some, like, really heavy shit, like, decision that actually impacts people's lives and might result in people living or dying. And I just really like that kind of, this shows a Neo-Queen Serenity who you can, like, see as the Neo-Queen Serenity figure we are shown, but also connect back to, like, being Usagi Tsukino, right? Yeah, yeah, I think showing that Usagi's still Usagi and still, like, wants Mm -hmm. ice cream. Like, she can make the hard choices, but also she's gonna want food. It's so important. (laughs) And, like, it's a comfort thing, and it's, like, a, you know, kind of de-stressing thing. And, like, it's totally fair when you have a very high-stress job like that. Or in general. And you, like, need that connection for the character to still be the character. This is what I said at the very beginning of of the episode. It's like, oh, yeah, how how have these people evolved to be the people they are now? And at the very least, you want some connection. You don't want the disconnect of like, oh, this is the queen now and she's nothing like Usagi was as a teenager. Because there's got to be something in common, you know? Well, the other way that fanfic authors go is by saying, like, something happens to Usagi and she's kind of reborn and it's kind of a different person. Yeah, and that's, I hate and that can that. also be Well, it can be a source of angst or it can be a source of, like, different character okay. stuff. But my you know. point is that but, but the character you don't want to see that happen to Usagi. Right. right. Yeah. The character you fell in love with is Usagi, and you want her to still be herself. That, that's my point. I agree. And I think in the, in the show, the original show, you, you kind of see her go through a lot. She does get a little bit more, like, solemn, but at the end of the day, she's still, she's still Usagi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the original show does at least once or twice kind of try to do that, like, remind you of that. I'm, I'm very fond of the scene in Sailor Moon S where, like, Neo-Queen Strandy sent a letter back home with Chibiusa, and everybody looks at me like, wow, you, Usagi, you still didn't learn how to write kanji? Like, you just never bothered right. to learn how to write kanji in the future? She probably, like, abolished it. She was just like, I think now, <laughs> nobody needs this. <laughs> right. That was true. That was a very real conversation they had at turn of the century, like, you know... Uh, Meiji Restoration Japan. It's like, do we need these kanji? Should we just get rid of them? It would be easier. <laughs> hey, definitely. It was a conference about that. <laughs> conference conference <Yeah>. room conversation. <laughs> anyway, in the fanfic, um, it's a happy ending. It's, it's a military victory is what it is. Like, it doesn't even reach the point of an invasion of Earth, which I kind of expected it to be. Like, maybe for this to end with you know, the mission partially successful, but for it, like, still to be an ongoing threat or something that would be followed up on. But basically, they wipe out the nascent space-faring Dark Kingdom, like, empire. Or at least their military capacity. I forget exactly how it goes down. Yeah. Kind, mm-hmm. kind of brutally militaristic in some ways. Yeah, I think so. But like I guess... very dramatic play 
that allows them victory, and it's actually quite clever, but I mm. do not remember the details. <laughs> Thing. But yeah, I, definitely things happened. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I still kind of just got a couple of Ender's Game vibes out of this. Like, not with sort of like it being someone taking the fight to the enemy to like obliterate their ability to attack the Earth again and it coming down to like some, you know, last minute, like, you know, clever thing that, that destroys them mostly or completely or whatever. Um, it works. I, I, like I said, I feel like the only thing that's really missing from that plot is just that it's, the only reason it's personal to Orion is because uh, they had future knowledge that this had to be Orion. That's it. Well, that's not true. The, the other thing is that her dad did work on the ship, and there's a couple, I, like, was kind of practically project head by the end of it. And so there's a couple of, like, cool connections with her and the ship, and, like, she finds kind of, like, a, a space that her dad kind of, like, built in there for her, because once he knew that she'd be the one leading it as, like, a kind of de-stress getaway from the hubbub little closet. Like, there's a few cool connections there. I really like that scene. I thought that was a great, like, detail. It was really cute. So I was like, that's so nice. Like, I, I would love to have a little cubby I can just hide away in. And, like, to, for him to know his daughter and be like, she would like this, and I'm going to just build this into the ship because I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that was super sweet. He just, like, I forgot that he did that so intentionally. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's something that helps Orion a lot in her whole journey, you know, to have the space her dad built for her. Especially since their communications goes down mm -hmm. after they get attacked. And it's like, so now, like, all that connection's gone. So it gives her a little piece of home, I guess. And. Uh, the fanfic doesn't have a whole lot of denouement after that climax, like the kind of military, you know, space opera climax stuff. Like, they come back home and, you know, get celebrated, and Jen wrangles, you know, paid combat, uh, combat pay and a lot of leave for herself and all of the crew out of Mars, who I think is, like, Admiral at the moment or whatever. Um, and then there's, like, a, you know, a cute last scene with Jen and Eileen that's just kind of ending on, like, yeah, and these two are together, and they're happy to be back together, and implied sex, and, you know, all the things that you'd expect. Yep. Happy ending for all until next season. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. This was really impressive. LeVar, wherever oh, yeah. you are, be proud of yourself. For real, though. <laughs> for real. Yeah. I, I think... You know, my complaints, well, we're going to get to complaints and praise in just a moment, actually, because that's how we end out uh, these episodes. I guess it's a natural lead in here, but before that, is there anything, like, of the many, many things we skipped over or, like, glossed over in the fanfic before this that you two want to talk about specifically? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm going to be honest and say there's a lot here, and there's a lot we could talk about. But I feel like we have covered this as, as a good enough summary. And to dig in anything else would be to dig into a lot. I will say that I think in general, you know, this is a pretty complex, deep story. And I had a lot of fun reading it. And I guess I'd say it's a recommend, you know, just for the fact that there's so much done here. There's so much work and there's so many interesting plot things. And I am 
quite curious to see how the other parts might play out if I ever get around to reading them. Oh, I'll add that I um I mentioned this while we were on break, but um this is my first Sierra fan fiction that I've actually finished. So that was really exciting. And um kind of like what Tori just said, I think it was really enjoyable to read. Um I enjoyed reading it. Like I kept, you know, going back to it to finish it. And that was really great. I think just like yeah, it's good. I mean it's 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 a good story. Well, let's get into a couple more specifics then. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a reason that, you know, despite the author not feeling completely happy with it, I think there's a reason this was archived by people and recommended by people and, you know, enjoyed by people like back in the day. And we'll get into some specific reasons in a moment. But first, what are your complaints about the fanfic or things that you think it could have done a little bit better so that we can end on the happy praise? Um, for me, it was, um, I mentioned it before, but just focusing a little bit more on the school and just like how that works i was just really really excited about school because they built it up so much and i just yeah i would love to see more about that world and just more senshi um you know we hear like sailor america sailor orion but it would have been cool to for them to interact with some other senshi who weren't the og uh or the the original characters from this show slash manga yeah you know i agree with that in a lot of ways like but it almost feels like this, the scope of this was bigger than, you know, the author could complete, you know, but I feel like they just like maybe narrowed their focus. They could have done, you know, a, you know, one book could have been about their time in school and the next book could have been about their time in space or about Jen's time in space, you know, like stuff like that. And, you know, we, we talked a little about some other details before for instance like yeah some of the time travel seemed unnecessary but to be honest i feel like that was that might have just been because it was rushed like i imagine there's more details this this author wanted to put in here it just like it couldn't come to fruition because they were trying for so many things like this encompassed several years some several stories and I think if they just kind of narrowed their scope, they could have gotten what they really wanted out of it. And my last bit of criticism, I'm sure the author is like looking back and already cringing on this. And so I don't want to make it a big deal. But Sailor America, really? Like, come on. Just anything other than Sailor America. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But in general, it's a strong story. So not a huge deal. I like how both of your main complaints are basically, we wanted more of this fanfic. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think for me, what it comes down to is just, um, I, I feel like the fanfic loses some of its steam in the latter parts of it. And I think part of that is because, and obviously we're only talking about season one here, and there is a lot more Sailor Orion. But like in the context of this story we're looking at here, right? I feel like, for one thing, the time travel doesn't need to be in this story. Being in the setting, sure. Being in this particular story that's being told in season one, I think it just kind of muddies things up when other stuff is going on. And I feel like, in some way, the war against the Dark Kingdom is too... um, resolved. Like, I... I feel like this kind might have worked better if the mission of the Pleiades was a little bit less decisive. <laughs> like... If there was room to be heroic against a little bit more, you know, 
impossible odds if it's kind of like do this thing and get out rather than like wipe out the dark kingdom like i feel like that might have fit the the space opera tone a little bit better um and and i i think part of that ties back to just like there's just no personal stake between the main villain and the main hero and so it doesn't quite feel right for orion to be the one to like resolve it like narratively speaking but you know that's also your mileage may vary and it's just definitely just like my perspective on this particular story i definitely agree i think it would have been interesting to see uh Chibiusa step up a little bit more and kind of go descendant yeah. versus descendant um <laughs> that would have been really cool and yeah, yeah it would have been neat just to see wait does that does that kind of happen wait they do send an away team down there right like um i mean during like that final i think she is she a part of it and it's like Mm, oh there's there's something important about her presence i do sailor moon does confront never mind sailor moon does confront queen beryl's descendant whose name we have not mentioned selenite in person and it is like hey you're the descendant of queen beryl i'm you know the daughter of sailor moon let's fight um and that does happen it does happen um so y'all just collectively forgot we just forgot i just forgot yeah it's, it's been a it's very just been a dense weeks. story yeah it's yeah, just yeah. really dense when that stuff is happening at the end doesn't it mm-hmm. let me May, yeah okay I, I guess maybe my mind is just caught up in time travel stuff. No, yeah, it, it happens. Now that, now that I'm skimming over it again, it kind of works. <laughs> Let me receive I, that complaint specifically and maybe move on to praise then. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, in general, the story does work as a whole, but it has a lot of moving pieces, which is why, like, I think we're all struggling a little bit to remember everything. Um, you know, we also, I think, have had a couple weeks since we read it. But to be fair, it's like, you know, to forget stuff in the last couple weeks that you read it means that there was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I enjoyed the story quite a bit, but I almost feel like I would read it over again. You know, even in the last three weeks since I read it, I would want to read it over again because it had so many pieces. And this is what I was saying, you know, as part of that criticism, right? Like, that maybe they could have just like refined it a bit, like focused on certain things. But in a way, that's also praise because they had a huge scope. And I don't think they fell down in anything they were trying to accomplish. There was tons here and it all came together and it all worked. Um, characters were likable. The story came together. You even had months and months, which was actually like literally in the story a fair bit of space where Jen and Eileen were not together, but at the end of the story, they are, and it's this beautiful reunion and it's, it's cute and it's quirky and it's fun and it's sweet and it's loving. And it makes the whole story feel super complete because you're just like, Oh, and they got back together. They love each other. And I love that. So I, I thought it was a really strong work. Well, talking about praise and you saying like, there's a lot of stuff in this fanfic. I think that's definitely one of its strengths, that the world feels overall, um, you know, not necessarily, like, fleshed out, like, every detail of it is kind of explained or anything, but it's interesting. There's a lot of stuff in the world, 
And yeah, just like, you know, way back we talked about that one prospective student that was murdered by like, you know, anti-Crystal Tokyo, you know, terrorists or whatever. And we we're like, maybe the author goes into that in future stories. I want to read a future story about like anti-government uh -huh. dissidents conflict against this Crystal Tokyo administration, because that sounds super interesting. Like, just from what the, the author has built up about this world so far, and, like, th there's, there's a lot of conflicts that could happen, and, like, I, I do want to learn more about it. Obviously, he specifically teases you with, like, this, you know, civil war that happened a little while ago that is still kind of fresh enough in memory that it's still kind of, like, a cultural scar. Um, and, like, I want to hear about that. Like, I genuinely do, because everything that the author has done with kind of the world of Crystal Tokyo is interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think praises, you know, I reading this, you know, I, I agree with Tori as far as wanting to reread it, I would, and also like continue on to different seasons because like you mentioned the, the bomb earlier and like different things that happen. And it's like, oh, I kind of want to spend more time with these characters. I'm kind of wouldn't see how if this world builds a little bit more, like explains a little bit more, um, how it expands, or even like, you know, as I'm sure the writer probably gets better as well. Um, as far as like maybe maybe they do uh, refine <laughs> the world in like the by the fourth season, so I'd be curious to see how how well they've grown as a writer and also just like how the story plays out because there are things that we don't get resolved and I would be curious. To, I would like to see them resolved. Like it, it got me interested enough where I'm like, oh, what's that about? What's going on there? What's the, what's this all about? And like said so the intergovernment the dissents and I, that's that's always fascinating um plus i'm all, i'm always down for a space story i think space stories are fun um i enjoyed like all their time on the ship and like navigating that i i think that's pretty much our thoughts about it right is that this you know there's things we could complain about with the storytelling but as a a work it was engaging and enjoyable to read and there's a lot of cool stuff in it and so, yeah, like you, you both were describing it in terms of a recommend. I think it's a recommend, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many pieces to this. But like, if you look at it in the big scope, I think it is a really fun story. Completely agree. I think it's an enjoyable read and I would I would recommend it. I also think it's interesting just kind of reading older Sailor Moon fan fiction where like, I don't think this is a direction that a modern Sailor Moon fan would go. Because I think people have, like, seen stars and red stars and stuff, and they're like, oh, all Sailor Censure all around the world, and, like, you know, each tied to a planetary body, and that's just how it works. So no one's going to go back and write a story where it's like, no, Neo Queen's ready, you can just make them. Because it wouldn't occur to them to do that. And so it's kind of cool, like, seeing just these, like, fundamental, like, concepts that can come out of, like, someone writing in 97 that maybe, you know, wouldn't happen in 2021. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't think I would. I wouldn't have dawned on me at, at least. I think Sailor Orion too is a really cool because you know you have like Orion's belt, so that was a really cool name for them to pick as well. Yeah, and you know, gosh, I remember that era of fan senshi, you know, original senshi, you know, the the, the idea it's of a creating thing, your yeah. own character. Yeah, but I feel like. It was such a thing at the time and it felt like a new thing and that's not in this era so this is in many ways a product of its era like let's create a new original senshi and then what is their story and this story was probably the best developed one of any of 
those I can think of from the era, you know? Like, I mean, certainly, because it's so long, it's so involved. Like, plenty of people were going, who's my original Senshi, and what is their story? But this is, like, the story. This is huge. And I want to praise the name of Ryan again, because it does, it sounds cool, it has gravitas, and it's not Sun or Earth. And 50% of all, you know, original character Senshi were Sailor Sun or Sailor Earth, so that's good. Yeah. She's got her own identity. How many Sailor Earths were there? And then you just go and like, wait a second, isn't that Mamoru? Like, is it the Sailor Earth? Like, whatever. I mean, yes and no. That's fine. Like, it it isn't, it is it, right? But like, how many Sailor Earths did you see? So many, right? I wanted to add, I love how much this fanfic, like, just take shots at Tuxedo Maz or Endymion. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like, well, he's useless, but he's just here. It's just like, it's, just, it's kind but of for hilarious, real. but it's so sad. I well, know, right? I mean, m- my greatest love for Mamoru is when he's just kind of a dork who's just doing what he can even though he can't do as much as some other people. Right. But he's, mm-hmm. so, like, I, I like it, yeah. It, his job in this fanfic is very clearly he is the spouse of the ruler. Yeah. That is his yeah. role in government. <laughs> it's like, he's the one who needs to go calm down Usagi and get her ice cream after she just made, like, this big decision. Right. Like, you know. He's the... And that's important. <laughs> it is. The first Neo-King. Or whatever you call it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, sure. And, um, you know, Neo-king that's fine. Yeah. He, he's... Mm-hmm. Because his role is always to support Sailor Moon. Like, that's the fundamental concept of Tuxedo Mask, right? Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe anybody else who happens to be nearby. Yeah. When he can. It was funny, though, because he still has way more power than an average human, you know, on this planet. And yet, compared to the Senshi, eh, eh. But he's sweet. Like, in a way, he's sweet. He doesn't start out sweet. He starts out kind of like a brat, but, yeah, he's sweet now. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we can wrap this episode up then. Um, I'd like to start just by thanking LeVar Boyer again for being a good sport about us going back and reading a fanfic from 24 years ago, almost exactly. Um, And, you know, a, a lot of people will feel a bit of chagrin at that kind of thing. And I know when I go back and look at my old fan fiction from that long ago or whatever, sometimes I, I make myself happy and sometimes I am very, very angry with myself. And, but anyway, I always appreciate when authors are like willing to let us do this. And I'd like to reassure him once again, we enjoyed reading it and it's, it's still worth the read, yeah. I think. Definitely. Before we sign off, Victoria, could you... Just tell us one more time for the record where we can find you and your other excellent Sailor Moon content online. Sure. So, um, yeah. Thanks again for having me on the show. And you can find me at Miss Old School on Twitter and Instagram. That's Old School with a K. Um, and then you can also listen to my podcast, Sailor Moon Fan Club, where I interview Sailor Moon fans about themselves, about Sailor Moon, and so many other. We talk about other things too. Um, yeah, Sailor Moon Fan Club. That's on like any. Uh, 
platform you listen to podcasts and you can also follow the podcast at moonies club on twitter and moonies underscore club on instagram oh and actually i forgot to mention this i'm on tiktok now i'm trying trying my best not great um that's sarah victoria tiktok we should try to get little snippets of fan fiction in on tiktok right that's a format that works probably no tori's shaking their head maybe (laughs) i'm just saying we're too old for TikTok. It's okay, Amato. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, we're on Discord. I think I'm too old for Discord. I only barely understand this. <laughs> I feel the same. Yeah. Um, well, you know. We might just need to switch back to AOL Instant Messenger, I think. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like Crystal Tech, right? You know? Right. Just bring me some exactly. crystals. We got this. We can, we can pop it off. Crystal VHS tapes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bringing it all the way back to the Crystal VHS, the CHS, as it were. Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, let's close this up then and let Victoria on the East Coast get to bed. This was episode 112 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the Shoujo Senshi Sailor Orion. Season 1, specifically, by LeVar Boyer. You can find it a couple places online, but we were reading the single text file copy that is on the archived version of the best Sailor Moon fanfiction on the net. That's the name of the website. We'll provide a link there in the show notes, as usual. Um, Our podcast is edited by Dom Davis, and I think I've been saying this every single episode, but once again this week, she has her work cut out for her. Uh, it's not an easy job these days. Things have not been going super smoothly, so thank you, Dom. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions or comments or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, Facebook at RetroFanfic, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com, or hop on our Discord and make some suggestions or talk about uh, fanfiction or ask about episodes or whatever, and the link to the Discord should also be in the show notes. Also, leaving comments or reviews on your podcast service is always greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. Victoria. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Now, Victoria, your handle here is Sailor Victoria on Discord. Yes. So, in the world of uh, Sailor Orion, you would probably be a Sailor Senshi from Victoria, BC, with a whole lot of patriotic pride for your home city, right? Definitely. Just Canadian flags everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, sometimes my birthday falls on Victoria Day. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> it's like the first Monday of May or something like that. Yeah. Not the first pretty Monday, good. third Monday or something. Do you celebrate specially on those years? <laughs> I haven't. I didn't I haven't. I've only, it's only happened like once because I think there's been like leap years every time mm-hmm. it would fall on it again. So in that time, I think I was just like way too young to even like... <laughs> do it but next time for sure (laughs) especially celebrate i'm gonna go all in (laughs) go to like a parade and pretend it's for me
That's beautiful. Well, it is, though, because it's for Victoria's. Right? Right? Exactly. Technically. Technically, it's true. It's true. (laughs) 